0: This morning's Bible reading comes from Luke chapter 15. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out, go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up. Went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him, put a ring on his finger. And sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the oldest son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied.
1: When I was young, I had a certain image of what heaven would be like. I grew up in a Christian family. I don't know whether I got this image from a a children's Bible or something like that, but it was basically a path, a road paved with gold. And on each side of this road, there were gold houses and gold buildings, and everything was bright and shiny and clean and sparse and sparkly. There were no people in my Image and there was no like trees or nature or anything. It was just all gold, all clean, all sparkly. And a couple of years uh, after, I'd kind of had this idea of what heaven would be like. I can remember uh, my mum talking to us. We had some friends and family around, and my mum said her idea of heaven was to be able to eat whatever she wants and never put on any weight. <laughs> and just like you, we laughed and joined in and thought that would be a great idea, and uh, thought about, you know what it would, what we could eat, uh, if that was the case. And as I have continued on in my faith, as I have continued to get an understanding of who God is, what He has done for me, and what He desires for my future. I've realized that my mum's idea of heaven is a lot closer to the reality than what my idea of heaven had been. This idea of a feast, a celebration, something that people can come and enjoy without guilt, without remorse, without pain or suffering, everyone can enjoy in the feast. The last couple of weeks, we've been looking at this passage that Peter read for us in Luke 15. That most of us recognize this passage as the prodigal son. We've called it the prodigal father because in actual fact, it was the father's actions that were lavish, and that were outside the realms of what culture would suggest that he does. A couple of weeks ago, Tim started the series looking at the younger son, and how what he did was so hurtful and so offensive, not just to the father, but to the whole community, to basically say, I would rather my father is dead so that I can get his wealth and use it how I want. The next week we looked at the older son and how even though he stayed at home and he did everything that kind of culture told him that he should do, he was obedient to everything in serving his father, he also missed the point. And in the end, really just wanted his father dead as well so that he could have the property and do what he wanted with the inheritance. And so today we're going to look at the father's response. That in response to actually both the sons, the father holds a feast. Now, uh, I don't have time to go into everything about the two two sons, so can I encourage you, incredible sermons preached by Tim. Go back onto YouTube and look at those sermons. But today, as we look at the feast that the father put on for the sons, and he did put it on actually for both sons. Initially, for the, the first son, the younger one, who had left home and had come back, they were celebrating and rejoicing that he was back home but also for the older son. Because in the time that Jesus was telling this story, it was actually uh, how they did dealt with feasts in this culture was that a feast that the father put on, the older son put on as well. And so if a father was to put on this feast, the older son, as Tim mentioned last week, would be co-host with the father. That whatever the father was doing, the older son would do as well. This was giving the older son a position, a place of honour, a place of authority within this feast. That he was so loved and in his position, he was the co-host with the father. That's how close they were. That's how connected they were. And so this feast that the father puts on, to celebrate and to put people in their rightful positions of co-hosts in celebrating, not just with a few people, but with everyone. In the passage we heard, they kill a fattened calf, not not a goat or a lamb. This is a decent-sized meat. This is so big that the whole community would have come to celebrate. Everyone was welcome. It was a big celebration, a big feast, and everyone was welcome to it. This idea of celebrating, this idea that we get of the Father representing God the Father, representing the character of God, putting on a feast of celebration. We see it actually in the whole chapter of Luke 15. We just kind of Mention the start and then jump to the third story in this chapter which was of the lost son. But there were two other lost stories before we get to this one. The first one was of a woman who had 10 coins. She lost one and she scoured her whole home to be able to find it and when she found that lost coin, what did she do but invite her friends and neighbors to celebrate. And then there was the shepherd who had a 100 sheep. He lost one and he went out to find it when he found the lost sheep. He brought it back in and what did he do? He brought friends and neighbors around to celebrate. And then we have the father who when his son was lost and had come back and was found, he put on such a huge feast that they had to have music playing in the house to let everyone that was around know that the feast was ready, it was time to come, the meat had been cooked and prepared, it was time to celebrate. And this is the character of our God, a God who loves those who are lost, that when they come into close contact with him, He celebrates, he rejoices, and he invites everyone along to celebrate as well. (coughs) Sorry about that. And I've just ruined my mic now. Sorry, Dan. In actual fact, when Tim Keller is talking about this passage, I'm going to have to grab the mic because I've really stuffed up my mic. Sorry, Dan. (coughs) I'll grab my water too. Oh, here's one I prepared earlier. Tim Keller talks about this passage and the celebration that we can anticipate of what God truly has in store for us. And he mentions Isaiah 25. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food For all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations, the thing that separates them from God. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. (coughs) This idea of this feast, this celebration. This incredible space where people can come and enjoy and be filled and there will be no disgrace, there will be no death. It reminds us of what Revelation talks about in chapter 21 where there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. This is the idea of what God has in store for all his people. For all who love him and desire to be with him. Louis Giglio, who is a pastor, a speaker and an author, reminds us as well of this feast in the Psalm 23. Now, Psalm 23 is one of the most well-known passages in Scripture, not just the most well-known Psalm. Let's see how well-known it really is. See if you can finish this sentence. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, they I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And then we come to verse 5. You prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This idea, this feast, this celebration, this table that God prepares for each one of us, even just in this one verse, It tells us a couple of things about the type of feast that God prepares for us. The first thing is, God's feast is ready now. God's feast is ready for us now. This verse says, I will prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. God is not waiting for a perfect moment to have his feast and invite you to it. God is not waiting for you to have everything sorted in your life and then you can be invited to his feast. God's not saying that everything has to be perfect and calm and all sorted and then you can come to his feast. No, the feast is ready now, so much so that God even says he will prepare it in the presence of your enemies. In the worst of times, the feast is there for you. A feast that we're reminded through the, the father of the prodigal son, a feast of love and grace and acceptance and mercy and wisdom. This is is the feast that God has in store for us. Have you ever tried to get a group of people together all at the same time? I don't know about you, but trying to get even just a couple of us In our friendship group together can sometimes be tricky. There was a meme that said this, try to make plans in your friend's group chat. Be like, friend one, yay, I'm free on Saturday. Friend two, oh, I can't do weekends. Friend three, I'm busy until next month. Friend four, oh, I can do 2026. We all have those friends, right? So busy. It's often so hard to find time to catch up. Life is busy. It's chaotic. There's this season and that season. We just need to get through this. God's feast is ready for us now. We don't have to wait until we have everything in order. We don't have to wait until our schedule is free. We don't have to wait until we know everything there is to know about God. No, God's feast is ready for you now. He desires to celebrate and have you come and experience the best of who he is. His grace, his mercy, his forgiveness, his love, his acceptance. The feast is ready for you now. And the other thing we learn about God's feast is it is plentiful. We don't worship a stingy God. We don't worship a God who is bound by our resources. This is a God of plenty. He's killed the fattened calf for all of us to enjoy. Keep in mind the God that we worship is the same God that in the desert, in the driest of places, when there was a nation of Thousands of people who were thirsty and dehydrated. It was our God who was able to pour water out of a rock in the driest of places with the thirstiest of people. And every single one of them was able to drink from the water. Not just all the thousands of people, but all their livestock as well. It didn't say, oh, just the people who got in first got water. Just the people who could recite the Ten Commandments got the water. No, everyone accessed the water. Everyone had their thirst quenched. This is a God who through Jesus Christ took five loaves and two fish and divided it and distributed it to Thousands of people who had come, not just until like to tide them over until they got home, but no, until they had their fill. And even still beyond that, there were 12 baskets left over. This is not a stingy God. This is not a God who holds back his resources until he waits until we've said the right thing or done the right thing or been the right person or had the right kind of success. This is a God who has a feast available for everyone. And the feast is ready now. And the feast is plentiful. In 2 Corinthians 9 it says, and God is is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. The table is set. The feast is ready. But so often we don't come and sit down. So often, It's our choice not to sit and engage with the one who has created the feast, to come to the table and enjoy all that God has in store for us. Now, there are some people who don't know about the feast. There are some people who don't understand or know about the grace and the mercy and the love of God, And that is why as a church we are so committed to programs like Alpha that helps people to understand the feast that God has on offer for them. That it's not just for us. It's not just those that are in this building that the feast is for. It's not just those who are watching online. But no, it is God's feast for everyone and everyone is invited. And it is A call on every person's heart that all our friends and neighbours be told about the incredible feast that God has for them. But then there are even people like you and I who hesitate to come to the table. And there are a whole heap of different reasons why that may be. I'm just going to look at a couple of them today. The first reason why some people don't come to the table is because they believe I'm not good enough. They may come to the table, they may see the feast, they may be able to recognise all that God is, how much he loves them and cares for them, that he has enough grace and mercy for them, but they still sit and they think, well, I'm not good enough to sit at that seat. Who am I? I know what I've done, I know what I think, I know what I say, I know how I treat people. I am not good enough to sit at this table. I am not good enough to be able to enjoy the feast that God has for me. This passage in Luke 15, it starts off talking about the type of people that Jesus invites to the feast Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. The feast is set up for people who are not good enough. The feast is there and ready for everyone. It's not just for those that come across as more holy than everyone else. The feast is there for everyone. And if we don't think we're good enough, then we're right. We're not. No one is good enough. We can only access the table and the feast through Jesus Christ. It's a bit like, think of a really amazing celebration that's been put on. Maybe like the coronation of the king or a special meal or gala, something really elaborate. And all the invitations go out. And who do they go out to? They go out to the special people, those that are chosen, those who have done something significant. They may have received certain awards or accolades within our our culture. It might be someone who has done incredible things in science or medicine. It might be someone who is really successful and and famous in business. It might be movie stars or, or musicians, people who are known, those in the political world that have power, right? The invitations are sent to them. But on every invitation... There is a plus one. They are allowed to bring someone with them that they choose. Usually it's a family member or a friend, a partner. What has the plus one done? Who knows? They didn't get the invitation. The only reason they are there, the only reason they can get into the special feast is because they are connected to the person who has done something significant. They are just the plus one. You and I are Jesus Christ's plus one. We haven't done anything worth not of note. We haven't done anything significant. We are literally not enough to be able to come to the Father's table. But he doesn't ask us to be because Jesus Christ did everything on our behalf. He was the one who lived a perfect life. He was the one who died on the cross and suffered the punishment for us. He took it all on himself so that you and I can come to the table and enjoy the feast that the Father has put on, not because we are enough, but because Jesus Christ is enough and he invites us as his plus one to the table. Galatians 3 says, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptised into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. All of us are equal, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. The table is ready. The feast is plentiful, and we don't have to be enough to get an invitation. It's an open invitation that we have through Jesus Christ. The second reason why often. We hesitate to come to the table. I don't know if you've ever done this before, but you've come to like a restaurant and you sit down at the table and you have a quick chat and then you look at the menu and then you order from the waiter, thanks so much. And then you sit back and as you're waiting for your food to come, start looking around at what other people have got on their tables. You're like, ooh, ooh, that looks good. Mm, Maybe I should have ordered that one and, oh what's that on that table, is there a specials board, is there a special menu that I didn't read from, like that looks really good and what are you ordering and maybe I should have that. We get into the habit of I want what they've got, right? We're not satisfied with what is at our table. We want to see what's on everyone else's table and this is where This is where the evil one, he's called the the ruler of the world, comes in so well to tell us, to distract us, to divert our eyes from the feast that God has in store for us and to highlight the things in the world. Oh, that looks good. If you really want to be successful, maybe be more like them. Oh, that's more like you. You resonate more with that. How about you try that? Go over there instead. And so easily we are distracted from the incredible feast that God has for us with everything else that is around us. And we want what they've got. And we want to be successful how the world tells us to be successful. We want to be rich with how the world tells us to be rich. And we lose sight and we move away from the feast that God has for us, which is the best that we could ever imagine and better than anything this world can offer us. In 1 John 2, it says this, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives How easy is it for us to get distracted, for us to turn our eyes to the feast that the world offers us and lose sight of the best that God has in store for us, a love, a mercy, a forgiveness, an acceptance To be his children is the best place that we can be. And the final reason that we often don't sit and fully engage with the feast of the Father, we're just too busy, right? I mean, there's so much to do. Life is chaotic. I'm too busy. I've got so much to do. And it's not just my benefit but it's for everyone else who I'm around and I've got stuff to do and so well I know the feast is here right and I really appreciate God for everything you've done for me and I'll just sit for a minute right because I'm pretty busy I've got a lot on pretty important person lots to do I'll have a little actually could... do you have takeaway containers can I get this to take away? Because that would be, like, be heaps easier for me. If I could just take this with me and then I could go and do everything that I need to do over here, that would just help my schedule a whole lot more. How often do we, knowing what God has in store for us, get so overwhelmed with the busyness of life, the needs that our life put on us, and so quickly, we just drop in, just every now and again, but just to take things away, right? Oh, I'll come to church, like, if I can, when it's appropriate. But during the week, like, you know, that's, well, I've been to church, so nothing else, like, you know, I'm covered. We're covered for the week, right? So now we can go and do everything that we want to do because we're covered. But the feast is ready for us every moment of every day. And can I tell you, it's not often when I'm sitting in a a seat at church where I need God more. It's when I'm out doing life and things are difficult and I'm losing my temper and things are busy and I'm stressed. Wow. Surely those are the times when I need to come and be reminded of the feast that God has for me. That to be too busy to stop and bring God's feast into our lives, we're not getting all that God has in store for us. Our God loves us so much that he has a feast in store for us. It's not a feast that we have to wait for in the next life. It's not just a feast that we have to wait for until the second coming. It's not a feast that we have to do anything for. The feast is ready for you now. God desires to offer you his love and grace and acceptance, his peace and patience and goodness. It's on offer for all of us now. And he has so much that it is enough for everyone. So let us not think that we are not enough to access it. Because Jesus Christ has already got the invitation. He's already paid the price so that we can access the feast. And let us not be distracted by the things of this world that think that they are better than what we have in the feast of God. And let us not be too busy to stop daily, to take the time to be reminded and to enjoy the feast our Father has for us. Will you join with me as I pray? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the feast that you have for us. Thank you, Lord, that even though we do not deserve it, even though that we don't do the right things, we're not the right people, you still love us and you still invite us to your table. Remind us, Lord, of all that you have in store for us. Holy Spirit, meet us exactly where we are at with the needs that we have right now. Fill us with the character of God to remind us that you have enough love for us. You have enough patience for us, enough peace and acceptance and mercy for us. And that when things are challenging, when life is busy, when we are grieving and we are hurting because of the ways of this world, there is always a seat for us at your table. And we thank you, Lord. We are humbled that you would invite us in. And we thank you and praise you for all that you have given to us. And we pray this in your mighty name. Amen.